Well, it wasn't just us who noticed that the Miami Hurricanes defense was not perfect last Saturday. The coaches saw it, and they're going to fix it. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, available free on YouTube, your team every day. So, yeah, listen, we've been nitpicking a little bit over the last few days a Miami Hurricanes defense that only gave up 13 points last week, but they gave up 13 points to Bethune-Cookman. There were clear issues with quarterback containment. There were some issues in pass coverage, and I didn't think Miami's defensive line, which has been the story of camp, was as disruptive in that game as I thought they would be. I was expecting more than two sacks and five tackles for a loss. That part's a little bit nitpicky. But I think we all saw that uh, the defense wasn't perfect. Mario Cristobal says there were busts, talking about coverage. There were issues we are working to fix. He referred to it as an up-and-down game for tackling. Um, In this case, I think the actual tackling statistics, I think, looked a little bit better than what they were uh, in real life because they don't always account for players being where they're supposed to be when you talk about. So you can say, hey, we only missed one or two tackles in a game, but that doesn't really account for players being in proper position or taking proper angles. So it doesn't really tell the full story. Uh, Something Mario Cristobal did bring up when he spoke on Monday to the media. uh, We talked about this play a little bit on Sunday and on Monday I thought the there were probably two the biggest negative plays for Miami defensively. One of them was just a, a blown coverage by Tyreek Stevenson. I don't think that's going to happen very often this year. And that third down and very, very long that Miami's defense gave up on Bethune's opening drive. He says, we lost contain on third and 25. Third downs, Mario said have to be disciplined, he says. The sense of using a live target in practice, we can close on the quarterback better and finish better, Mario said. And I thought one of the great points Mario made about this was, and these are the sorts of things where um, there's two different ways to look at it. Some of you are glass half-empty types, and you see, oh my goodness, Miami had some defensive mistakes and imperfections against the worst team that you're going to face all year. That's what Bethune-Cookman is. Some of you look at that and say, oh, my God, everything that happened in Miami's D against Bethune-Cookman is going to happen the remaining 11 games, which means we're going to get torched, just torched by every good offense that we play. We're going to get torched. That's what some of you are thinking. Or if you're more of a half, uh, half, no, if you're more of a glass half full person like myself, you say, okay, Thank goodness you had a game like Bethune-Cookman week one to learn a little bit more about yourselves. Use your up-and-down tackling performance and your busts in coverage and quarterback containment. Use that as teachable moments to get better against Southern Miss, and then hopefully from Southern Miss you get a lot better against Texas A&M and so on. So hopefully Miami had some problems that they're getting out of the way here. So Cristobal said they found some soft spots in our defense – In practice, we are closing on stuff a lot quicker. 
So I have to wonder for, you know, defensive players that are learning a new scheme. And I'm sure you've got some butterflies being out there for the first time this year and having to answer to coaches like Coach Steele and Charlie Strong and Coach Adai and so on, that maybe these guys were just thinking a little bit too much on the field and not processing things as instinctively as they have been in practice. And hopefully they get those first game butterflies out of the way and they're home again this Saturday against Southern Miss. They process some of that stuff faster. Um, I also think that the rotations, as far as which defensive players play and when, I expect those to get tweaked. And I base that a lot on what Kevin Steele said to us yesterday. The defensive coordinator spoke to us in a media session. By the way, you can find all those videos on our YouTube channel at Locked on Canes. We've got Kevin Steele's press conference from yesterday, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, and Mario Cristobal, the head coach. Those are all there waiting for you on our YouTube channel. Um, you know, Steele, uh, first of all, he he hates depth charts, doesn't really believe in them, right? So, you know, you can look at, you know, and, and the depth chart, by the way, didn't come out until a couple of hours before kickoff last week. But, you know, don't overanalyze who's the starter necessarily on that depth chart. It's more about getting snaps and rotating guys in and out and all that. And I do get the sense that Steele thought that they could have maybe had a little bit more rotation at Mike linebacker. Maybe Caleb Johnson gets more snaps in the future, even though Corey flag started. And I got to tell you, Corey flag is a very interesting case study in perception versus reality or fan perception versus coach perception, because Coming out of Saturday, um, I read all the comments that you guys leave us, whether it's on our YouTube channel, on our podcast channels, or you tweet us at Locked on Canes. I read pretty much everything that comes our way, and I get the sense that uh, that our audience doesn't have a whole lot of faith in Corey Flagg. I just, you know, maybe there's a few exceptions out there, but most of you don't really seem to enjoy when he's on the field. And he was Miami's starting Mike linebacker last week, got most of the snaps last week at that position. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see Caleb Johnson rotate in a, in a little bit more. But it's funny because for all the negative feedback that Mr. Flag gets from social media, the coaches love him. So I think maybe there might be a difference between what we can quantify when we're just watching a game on TV or watching a game from the stands versus how the principles that are being learned in practice and in the film room are being translated onto the film. And coaches really seem to appreciate what Corey Flagg does on that field more than a lot of you watching seem to appreciate it because Mario and Josh Gaddis didn't really talk about Corey Flagg because he's the offensive coordinator, but Mario Cristobal, very complimentary of his performance and his tackling. Kevin Steele was very complimentary of his performance and of his tackling. But Steele did indicate that we may see a lot more of Caleb Johnson getting more snaps and on that field this coming week and moving forward, which I think is a really good thing because, you know, Caleb, he does have the, the size, the athleticism, the experience, and the fundamental tackling ability where I think he's got the upside of being probably Miami's best linebacker this year. So I think getting him more playing time can definitely help the situation. I also think rotating the cornerbacks a little bit more and maybe not seeing quite as much of DJ Ivy out there can help. I'd like to see guys like Graves, Dunson, Malik Curtis, 
getting some more opportunities out there. And, you know, I mentioned Tyreek Stevenson had a, a blown coverage last week, but he's he's solid. I don't expect that to happen to him too many times throughout the year. Um, so at least I take some comfort in Mario's words. I'll read that quote again. They found some soft spots in our defense. In practice, we are closing on stuff a lot quicker. So I'm, until proven otherwise, I'm going to take some of those soft spots this past week and just chalk it up to um, growing pains. I'm hoping to see better this week. I, I think a lot of what happened on the field defensively was fixable. Um, I love talking with Kevin Steele. Again, that Southern drawl. He just, he sounds like football. He looks and sounds like football. Um, you know, he really appreciated uh, the performance uh, of Akeem Mesidor, which we all did. We said it on the show. Akeem Mesidor, I thought, was Miami's best defensive player on the field on Saturday. Cristobal agreed with that. Kevin Steele agreed with that. Akeem Mesidor, Mario Cristobal said about him, he's a football player. Like, he's a great football player. Um, Kevin Steele also spoke very highly of show favorite, First team, all Dono, Daryl Jackson, number six, who started at defensive tackle alongside uh, alongside Leonard Taylor. And Jackson, you know, not only did he make plays on the field, but Kevin Steele noted they had to double him. Uh, talking about Bethune-Cookman's offensive line, that they had to double Daryl Jackson. He, he got that sort of attention. And this is what Kevin Steele said about Corey Flagg. He did a good job of quarterbacking. He did a good job of tackling. So, um, and listen, I... I, I had actually said coming out of Saturday, uh, I had given Corey Flagg pretty high marks for his performance. You guys were not happy in the comments. Well, guess what? If you're going to argue with me about Corey Flagg, you're also arguing with Kevin Steele, and you're also arguing with Mario Cristobal because they thought he was very good. Um, now, talking about fixing defensive issues, I know Southern Miss, it's not Texas A&M, it's not Clemson. And by the way, I did watch Clemson last night sloppy 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 and i don't have any faith in dj Wiyongalele. in fact would not surprise me if by the time miami faces clemson which is late in the season november 19th if Wiyongalele is riding the pine by that point and Cade klubnik i think is his name the true freshman who came in late and looked pretty good it would not surprise me if the true freshman is the guy that miami actually faces by the time they face clemson because dj looks rough out there uh Clemson looks sloppy overall but I, I imagine they're gonna fix some of their issues but for Miami's defense this coming week you know they're favored by 27 points against Southern Miss should be should be an easy win should be a routine win but they're really gonna offer Miami some challenges in defensive preparation and I think coach Steele is looking forward to that opportunity now for one thing Frank Gore Jr is uh, the star running back and really the star player of Southern Miss. So he is going to attract Miami's attention, no doubt about it. Um, you know, Kevin Steele said, hey, there's only one football and it's in his hands pretty much every play. Uh, Mario Cristobal was raving about Gore Jr., who had a 48-yard completion. He threw the football last week. We'll talk a little bit more about what Southern Miss does with their passing game, which is really unique. And he had two rushing touchdowns, I think 174 yards on the ground. He's got over 300 yards, I think, to start the season, Gore Jr. So that's going to offer some challenges for Miami, no doubt about that. Uh, oh, here's what, uh, here's what Cristobal said about Frank Gore. Patient runner, 
sees it, feels it, knows when to hit it, he said. First guy rarely brings him down. Uh, they use him in all sorts of ways. Wildcat, he's a good receiver as well. Really good football player. Kevin Steele said, well, there's, all, there's one ball out there, and it's usually in his hands. We've got 11 guys, and you have to be in your gap, set your edge, and get everybody the football. No different if it was Barry Sanders or Gore Jr., that's just the way it works. He's got really good vision, got good instincts, and he's got to touch the ball a lot. So we're going to explain when we come back what makes Southern Miss, outside of Gore Jr., what makes Southern Miss so complex to prepare for. Uh, we're going to talk about something really insightful that the offensive coordinator said about his quarterbacks that we should have talked a little bit more about yesterday. And on this episode, we're going to talk some recruiting. Where does Miami stand with a few of the top wide receivers in the class? And where does Miami stand with the top defensive tackle in the class? Guys, we have so much coming your way on this episode of Locked on Canes. And I am excited to welcome in the newest sponsor to the Locked on Network, Underdog Fantasy. Guys, I am an underdog fantasy vet. I'm so happy that they're on board. Underdog is the easiest place to spice up college football season. So easy to get started, and it's easy to play while you watch your favorite teams play. Guys, they have so many options from best ball season long teams to daily contests, player picks, props. Guys, it's so easy to play, and you can win cold hard cash in a single game. Underdog has investment backing from people like Mark Cuban. You heard of him, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more. They've always been focused on building superior products for a fun user experience. Customer support is top-notch as well. They are the best in the business. I started using Underdog last year, long before they were part of the Locked On Network, and I had a great time. It's easy to deposit, it's easy to withdraw, and it's really easy to play. It takes seconds to make your selections, okay? Sign up with our promo code, Locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, they're going to give you $100 extra free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. And guys, I'm telling you, whether you want to do a quick player selections, daily fantasy, whether they go over or under their fantasy projections, I love it. It's so easy. Best ball teams. They have so many different games, so many different options. Get in on the college football pick em action today at Underdog Fantasy. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. We're getting closer to our goal. Guys, we want to get 5,000 YouTube subscribers by the Texas A&M game on September 17th. Uh, we're less than 200 away, so we can do this, guys. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet on our YouTube channel, hit it. It's free. And if you haven't spread the word, tell your friends. Daily Miami Hurricanes content, daily college football content here on Locked on Canes. So let's get to 5,000 YouTube subscribers, my friends. So, you know, even beyond Frank Gore Jr., Southern Miss is going to present, I think, an interesting opportunity for Miami not only do they go to the Wildcat a lot, you'll sometimes see in a single game four different players attempting passes, and that's a quarterback and then three other, like not like, oh, they're subbing in quarterbacks. Like you'll see players who are not traditional quarterbacks throwing passes. They go to the Wildcat a lot. Uh, Kevin Steele said that the reason why they have developed 
so much versatility on their offense is because they had a bunch of quarterback injuries last year. So Southern Miss's coaches, they had to adapt and create a game plan on basically how to get through a game without a true quarterback, right? A whole bunch of Wildcat stuff. And I think what makes this game such an exciting opportunity for Miami, and obviously Miami's going to have the better Jimmys and Joes, right? We'll see about the X's and O's. Miami's just going to have the better players on the field, of course. But Southern Miss, they run three different offenses offenses like they three different offenses you'll see in a single game they've got their wildcat offense they've got what Steele described to be a hybrid between the old nebraska and the georgia and the georgia southern and then they've got their traditional offense he says quote they are distinctly different they're packaged it presents a lot of issues in putting a game plan together because it's actually three different plans in one so that's going to be i think an academically challenging thing for Kevin Steele and his position coaches and for these players to figure out. And I'm looking forward to seeing the way that they handle it. My friends, I am Uh, the injury news, by the way, this week, Cristobal clarified a couple of things. It's a lot of positives. Let's count our blessings today, guys, because, you know, outside of, you know, Trevante Citizen being out for the year, you know, we've known about that, the true freshman running back. Um, don't expect to see him this season. And Don Chaney, another running back, is going to have to miss some more time. He's going to play at some point this year, guys. I think he'll probably play right around the start of the conference schedule around early October. Um, so outside of those two, the guys who were banged up heading into Bethune-Cookman or got banged up during Bethune-Cookman, everyone's better. It's fantastic. Jalen Knighton is expected to play this week. I'm pumped for that. You think about how good and how effective Miami's rushing offense was last week when there were more non-scholarship players getting carries than scholarship players. You only had two scholarship running backs last week, and they were both fantastic. They were real, and they were spectacular. Uh, Henry Parrish was so good. Um, And I love, by the way, how natural of a receiver he is. And Thad Franklin, bully ball. He's a human bowling ball. And, you know, people try to call him a short yardage guy, even though every time he's on the field, it's eight yards per carry with that dude. So, I mean, short yardage, my you-know-what. The the guy's a well-rounded, talented back. But then, you know, saw some good stuff from Devon Perry. Saw some good stuff from Terrell Walden. The second, Terrell, is it Terrell? I think it's Terrell Walden, the second. I always get confused with the Terrells and the Terrells because T.O., T.O., like, turned the whole thing upside down, being Terrell, not not Terrell, or Terrell, not Terrell. Still, I'm still confused. And then Lucia Stanley, the uh, the transfer walk-on from UAB, gets off a plane, and then a few days later, he's suiting up and playing in a game. And, wow, um, and by the way, Josh Gaddis described – just like how how cool of a process it was to get Stanley ready to play and get carries within a few days. I got to give a lot of credit to Lucia Stanley and a lot of credit to Kevin Smith, the running backs coach, because it sounds like those two were just in meeting rooms 24-7 for a few days, just installing everything. Like you remember in The Matrix when Morpheus just basically uploads like the Kung Fu into Neo's brain? Right. He's like, I know Kung Fu. That's basically what they had to do to uh, to Lucia Stanley. Like they had to upload, uh, you know, Miami's offense and their game plan into his brain. And he went out there and executed it very, very quickly. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have another healthy punch at running back with Jalen Knighton set to debut this week. So you can expect Knighton and Parrish to be the featured guys. And then 
Franklin would be the next guy up there. Uh, Zion Nelson, the left tackle. Uh, same thing with Knighton. I think Nelson could have played last week, could have played, but they didn't want to risk him. Um, he's going to play this week. You want, and it's important because you want Nelson to get a few reps out there the week before Texas A&M. So that's not his season debut, right? Um, Logan Sagapalu, uh, the guard uh, transfer from Oregon. He was a late scratch last week. Um, Mario said he had a minor tweak, a soft tissue injury, but he anticipates he is going to play against Southern Miss this week. Uh, and, you know, you had a couple guys go down during the game. Thankfully, they're both okay. Leonard Taylor suffered a stinger. He's one of Miami's most important players. Tackle for loss machine, number 56. He's going to be good to go this week. And Ja'Kai Clark, center, starting center, one of the most important offensive linemen. He left the game a little bit banged up, but he is going to be able to play this week. So everything is positive on the injury front, my friends. Uh, now, Josh Gaddis on the offense, there were some insightful things on the quarterbacks, right? Because, you know, when we were breaking down Tyler Van Dyke's performance, you know, there's a lot of obvious stuff that stands out. He was 13 for 16 last week, no interceptions. You know, he, the off the game plan was a little bit conservative in the passing game, but, you know, TVD did everything he was asked to do. Jake Garcia, who was literally perfect, eight for eight, did everything he was asked to do. But when it comes to Tyler, we were mostly talking about the NFL caliber throw that he made to Xavier Restrepo. Um, and, you know, we did talk about how, you know, he, he knew when to throw it away to avoid making negative plays. But, you know, I, I liked uh, kind of adding to that. Josh Gaddis loved how TVD was able to find some checkdowns early. Says being able to get the ball out to Henry Parrish out of the backfield when pressure showed in his face. So I wanted to make sure that I brought up that point, okay, uh, because fans, we focus a lot on the deep shots and the quality of throws. We don't often focus on the actual decisions being made, which I think is important because that that's a big part of what makes Tyler Van Dyke such an effective quarterback, right? We forget how important checkdowns can be, right? So that's one of the reasons why Van Dyke, uh, he's got obviously an excellent deep ball, very strong, accurate arm. But one of the reasons why Tyler Van Dyke gets noticed so much by NFL talent evaluators is for how well he processes plays. That's one of the reasons why I believe Tyler Van Dyke is going to be a first-round pick, and you saw that processing in action this past Saturday. Uh, Gaddis was also complimentary of Jake Garcia. says his his pocket movement was phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, overall, Gaddis loved how the three incompletions, because as a quarterback unit, Miami went 21 for 24, uh, the three incompletions were by Van Dyke, but he says they were all throwaways. The passing game between Tyler and Jake was about 88% completions, no interceptions, no negative plays. So Gaddis, he liked that one a lot. Um, you know, he was he was pleased was was Josh with the the balance, right? And there was a lot of balance in the play calling. That's one of Josh Gaddis's trademarks is balance. You know, Miami had 305 yards on the ground, 281 in the air. Uh, 42 rushing attempts compared to 23 passing attempts. You know, I think that that's probably going to not end up being like a two to one ratio movie. I, it was a two to one ratio because you were having so much success running the football when the opponents get tougher. I think Miami is going to be passing on a higher percentage of their downs, but the balance was very, very good. Ooh, when we come back, we're going to talk some recruiting best defensive tackle in the class 
has some really nice and reassuring things to say about Miami in their recruitment efforts. And Miami is in play for three or four of the top wide receivers in the class. Where do we stand? We will get to that and more when we come back. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, wherever there's a pod, we're there. We're inevitable. And you can also get the show free on YouTube as well. Make sure you smash those like buttons and subscribe. Um, I want to throw this in here as a note, and you guys are going to flame me for this in the comments for even bringing this up. But I, I just saw a photo this morning of Cormani McLean five-star corner, top corner in the class out of Lakeland. He was wearing UM gloves to his last high school game. Does it mean anything? Almost certainly not. But still, I like it when these recruits are wearing U gear. However, I did want to bring up this Cormani McLean thing because it reminded me that I really should have brought up his name yesterday when we were talking recruiting. And the reason for that is... I don't know exactly where Miami stands with Cormani right now. I do believe it's a three-team race between Alabama, Florida, and Miami. I do think Miami's probably in third place right now in that three-team race, but I don't know exactly where we stand. But I think it's a good thing that the Hurricanes, they're making some serious headway in recruiting one of McLean's high school teammates, four-star wide receiver Tyler Williams out of Lakeland, who I would love to have Williams Six foot three, 200 plus pounds, perfect profile of the type of receiver Miami needs to add size like that into this class. So there's definitely momentum there. Tyler Williams was, he was at the Bethune Cookman game. He actually canceled an official visit with Ole Miss to make an unofficial down to Miami. And he plans to make an official visit to Miami. And it might end up being his final visit before he announces his commitment at the end of this month, I think on the 27th. So that's going to put Miami in a good spot. You want to have the first OV or the last OV. It's better not to be in the middle. So Miami could get the last OV. Now, um, he's definitely trending towards Georgia, I think still, Tyler. But Miami is gaining some ground there. And I wanted to bring Cormani McLean's name up with his name because, listen, you always have to wonder how much recruiting one big-time player from a specific high school can influence teammates of that player. That if Miami is making serious, and you know a lot of these players aren't necessarily package deals, I get that. But if you can make serious headway with a top player from a high school, that can influence teammates as well. You see the momentum that Miami has built with IMG Academy, for example. Like it's been a snowball effect that turned into an avalanche with that single high school. Right. So if you could sway Williams away from Georgia to Miami, maybe you can sway Cormani towards Miami. We'll have to see how that plays out uh, elsewhere at wide receiver. Uh, I, I definitely think Miami has a chance at jury on Dickey. You know, he's an Oregon commit, but he's on flip watch and he was down at Miami about a month, month and a half back at the barbecue. Um, you know, he's he is a verbal commit to Oregon. So. I'd say it's probably safe to say that Oregon is still the slight favorite to keep him, but uh, I don't think their performance against Georgia really helped Oregon's chances. It probably helped Miami's chances seeing how that went down. And, you know, I, I think if, 
if Dickey doesn't stick with Oregon, uh, I, I think if he's going to flip, I think he would only flip to Miami. Okay. Other receivers. Um, I'm hearing some negative feedback on Hakeem Williams. I know we'd all love to have him, but I think he might end up at Florida State. Ugh. Somebody brought up a good point to me yesterday because I, I I said yesterday that, you know, Florida State winning and Florida winning over the weekend, you know, signature wins because they played against better teams than Miami played against. Like I said that, that that has nothing to do with Miami, right? And, you know, from I still mean that in terms of it doesn't put any more pressure on crystal ball or on the season this year but florida state winning against lsu even if lsu is like this is not the lsu of three years ago i get it like they weren't good last year but florida state beating lsu florida beating utah they that definitely helps those schools in recruiting and those schools compete for a lot of the same players in recruiting that miami is going after so i thought that was a fair point that somebody brought up okay um so hakeem williams he may end up at florida state we'll see uh, I did. I have heard some rumblings. We talked about this a little bit last week from a very reliable source, by the way, that Brandon Innes from American Heritage, one of the top receivers in the class, five star, maybe the top receiver in the class. Uh, he is currently verbally committed to Ohio State, but he could be a candidate, I'm hearing, to flip from Ohio State to Miami. Same goes for his teammate running back, Mark Fletcher, who's another Ohio State verbal commit from American Heritage, who could be on flip watch to Miami. Um, and five-star defensive tackle, one of the top players in the class, period, David Hicks, uh, had some nice things to say about Miami. He told On3 Sports, he says, about Miami, they've texted me every day, and I really talk with the coaches every day. He said, I talk with Coach Salavea and Coach Rod Wright every single day. Um you know, his his relationships with Cristobal and Coach Salavea, they go back to Oregon because they were recruiting him heavily when they were at Oregon the last couple of years. And he said, did Hicks, the Cristobal effect is something serious, he said. He makes great O-linemen. He always does that. And his teams have really good D-linemen, too. I like how Miami has a city environment, he added, but also has a close town environment. I really like that about the school. So, um, he's been trending has Hicks who, who lives in, uh, Katy, Texas. I don't know exactly where that is, but he's been trending to Texas A&M, uh, with Texas also in the wings. Miami is in the mix for him. And I, it would be a coup. It would be a recruiting coup if Cristobal could get this guy to commit to the U because he, he is a difference maker, an elite difference maker on the defensive line. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to be at the U today. I'm going to be talking with Tyler Van Dyke TVD. We'll have that video posted on our YouTube channel coming up later. So, guys, subscribe to our audio podcasts everywhere you get your pods. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And make sure you make the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 your second listen. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets all combining into the Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya.